Welcome to Ease, the entertainment and showbiz experiences podcast. It's all things entertainment based, how to get into it and how to develop it into something once you are ready to move on. All the information people didn't tell you, forgot to tell you, or were too busy to tell you, all told through personal experiences. Uh, welcome back to the program, everybody. Uh, today I have somebody special, somebody I've wanted to have on for a really long time. Um, she and I crossed paths last year, and we've kind of just been keeping in touch and seeing what the, each other have been doing. And she does this really cool thing. We'll talk about it later in the program. But first of all, let me introduce Alyssa. Alyssa, how are you? Hi, I'm great. I'm so happy to be connecting and, and doing this with you. I am too. I am too. Tell everybody who you are and if you had a bio line for your life, like an Instagram, what would it say? Hmm. Well, I'm Alyssa Gruber. I like to say I am a steel town girl on a Saturday night looking for the fight of her life. <laughs> I love steel it. town is Pittsburgh and that's where I'm from. And that's like, you know, flash dance. So mm-hmm. that always resonates with me. Actually, I think that's what it does say on my Instagram bio. <laughs> Just yes. a girl on a Saturday night. Yes. Um, so it's like a, yeah. A and real... it's like the, the thing that always, I very much identify with Pittsburgh and like people of Pittsburgh, right? But it's mm-hmm. uh, like a work hard, play hard kind of place and, um, you know, big work ethic and um, stay strong with your roots kind of town. And that always really resonates with me, even though I haven't lived there in quite some time now. So yeah, um, try to try to spread those vibes. You are completely right. That is exactly your bio line in your uh, Instagram. <laughs> I love it. Um, Alyssa, so growing up in Pittsburgh, tell us a little bit about how, what, what it was like. You as little Alyssa, what was that like? Mm-hmm. Little Alyssa is very shy. I still can Ooh. be kind of shy. Mm-hmm. Um, but as as a result of being so shy, my mom threw me into dance classes to try to like make me more social. And I loved it. So from there, that kind of skyrocketed into all things creative, dance, baton, uh, music. I 1994. Yeah, baton, state champion, Pennsylvania, 1994. Yes. And um, I played a couple instruments growing up. I was a band geek. I was in the marching band in high school. What'd you play? Uh, well, in marching band, I played the flute. In jazz band, I played the guitar. Smart, smart choices. You know, different the vibes. The cool, yeah. the cool cats in the jazz club and the, yeah. the band geeks in the marching band. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, and my mom, uh, well, both my parents were always really supportive and letting me kind of try whatever things I wanted to try. I mean, I did sports a little bit too. Um, but my mom's was always like very interested in the arts and creative things and very much instilled that in me and was fortunate enough where she could take me to uh, touring Broadway shows or to mm-hmm. the symphony or things like that, that would be happening in town and, um, and introduced me to different, like, I remember as a kid, she would take me to drag shows which, you know, awesome. in hindsight was like, maybe mom, you shouldn't have done that with like a little kid, but I'm grateful for it because it definitely yeah. opened my eyes and it's something I'm comfortable with and still enjoy. And a couple of my friends, uh, you know, have their own personas. And, um, you know, again, like looking back on that kind of stuff, I'm really thankful that my parents exposed me to all that kind of stuff and they really embraced and encouraged me. And I mean, honestly, too, could afford to mm-hmm. let me experience all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, what um how old were you when you started dancing about three. Oh, so really young yeah 
Yeah, you know, like, you know, three, four year old little ballet class mm-hmm. once a week or whatever it is that, that can be pretty typical for that age of kid, you know? Yeah, yeah for sure. That's the, just mm-hmm. the perfect amount of time for them just to learn discipline and get a few steps in along the way. Um, did you always want to continue dancing? Did, was there ever a point when you said, mm, it's not for me? Or was this like, oh, I like this? Well, it was, you know, ups and downs. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, like I off the bat loved it. So they kept putting me in and then, you know, as you get older or when they open you up to different styles, tap dancing, acro, you know, more jazz, lyrical kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So that, you know, that kind of kept rolling, but then I definitely went through like my kind of tween phase Mm. where I started getting really into rock and roll music. Ooh. And, and that totally did not fit with ballet and I hated ballet. I hated it so much. And I had a really, one of those really strict teachers that made us wear like the belt, like the elastic band around our waist. Oh yeah. And that mm-hmm. was like too, I think even as a kid, that was like too conforming for me. And I, and then like, I wasn't into the classical music at the time. So, and so I dropped out of ballet for a bit, but then of course all my teachers were like, that's the foundation. If you want to get into the more advanced classes, you need to get back into ballet. And I was like, uh-huh, I want to. Um, so I picked it back up again a couple years later and I found it, I found like a different appreciation for it when I was mm-hmm. a little bit old in like high school. Nice. Um, so, you know, I kind of learned the errors of my ways. And then when of I got course. into college, I, I, well, I wasn't necessarily seeking out to become a, pres- a professional performer or mm-hmm. get a degree in dance, but I was going to Point Park, oh, which is a really very well-known, yeah, really well-known performing arts school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, they have one of the best dance programs in the country. Yeah. And I, you know, I love dance. I would like to keep doing it. So I was trying to like pick up classes as a minor. I was majoring in, it's a long title, but sport arts and entertainment management like a business degree. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, well, I'm going to point park. I'll take dance classes as like electives and maybe try to collect a minor on it. Um, and then accidentally ended up at a cruise line audition and the rest is history, I guess, if you will say. And so I would just, at that point, I was like, I just want to finish my, I went and did one cruise line contract Mm-hmm. came back and finished my degree. And at that point I was like, I don't care about extra work for a minor or a second yeah. major or whatever. And I was like, I just want to be done. So I nixed the whole minor thing, but I at least finally graduated. So. Did you find it hard to come back after that contract? I interviewed a few people that took that little gap. What was your, what was your mindset when you came off of that ship contract? Yeah, it, it was challenging for me. I think more in the aspect that I was 20 when I first went on my first okay. contract. And again, I had spent most of my time in Pittsburgh growing up. I was going to college in my hometown. Like on the weekends, I'd go to my mom's house and do my laundry. So mm-hmm. it was still very, it wasn't necessarily like this very big segregated experience like some people have with college or university. Mm-hmm. And so that cruise experience was like so mind-blowing for me meeting all those people from all over the world having that professional production experience i mean Mm -hmm. i had been working for some theaters and dance companies um around town but to be a performer in that realm was such an experience for me and i loved every single second of Mm -hmm. it 
And then I also, I mean, I think it was like a little bit ego too. I was, this was a contract for Disney Cruise Line. And of course my parents were so proud and they told everyone and everyone was asking me all about it. Cause like Disney, Disney, Disney. Yeah. And so when I came back, I and I came back like in the dead of winter too, from this Caribbean contract, I was so like, oh, yeah. where am I? It's so gray and dreary. And I've spent six months yeah. in the Caribbean working yeah. for Disney Cruise Line. And, you know, and I was like really trying to download and process this experience that I had just had. And then meanwhile, I'm trying to sit my butt at a desk all day and go back to school work. So it was, it was tough, but luckily I didn't have too much. I had about like a year's worth of work to do. Mm -hmm. And I've always been pretty studious. So I got, I got into my groove and it was okay after a while. But when I first came back, it was like a pretty big shock. And I was like, I can't, I can't wait to leave again. I need to get out and do another contract. <laughs> You're calling them back and be like, I can leave in four months. Yeah. Um, was going to college for your business degree, was that something that you wanted to do or was that something that your parents suggested and wanted you to do versus going for just a, a dance degree? A little bit of both. Um, mm -hmm. I think I always, I'm not the best planner, like, if you, my fiance is always like, well, what's your five-year plan? And I'm like, I don't have one. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and it was really hard. I think growing like Pittsburgh, the way it was when I was growing up, it had a decent cultural arts center to it, but um, it's not booming. Like it has been in recent years. Um, and I'm sure you know how it is. You know, a lot of people think kind of negatively when you say you want to pursue a career that's not traditional or fancy sounding, yeah. right? So like, mm -hmm. if you think you want to be a singer or a dancer, people are like, oh, you can't make money doing off of that. Or even if it's a trade type of thing, I don't know, even say if you're a plumber or whatever, you know, people mm -hmm. just have this assumption that that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to go to four-year college, get your degree, spend a lot of money on that degree, and then magically be happy with whatever career you were supposed to choose when you were 16, when you don't even know what you're doing. Right, right. And I really, and I did, I really struggled with that. Um, but I always knew I really liked creative type environments. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I, I don't know, I never thought like little, little me would ever do anything as a performer. And I just kind of wanted, again, would like to keep doing it because I enjoy it, not necessarily to make a career out of it. And mm -hmm. it all just kind of accidentally happened. And my parents, again, being very supportive. Um, and I have a very studious older sister <laughs> um, who very much like went down that collegiate track, although yeah. she does work in the dance industry. She also was a dancer. Um, there, you know, there's certain expectations, but I think ultimately I knew I wanted to be involved with some kind of arts and entertainment industry, but sure, I, yeah. didn't, I didn't need to be on stage. I wanted to be like behind the scenes somehow. Mm -hmm. Yes. I have the same, my sister, same collegiate, like does all of the book stuff. I was the one that's like, I'm just going to go dance and I'm going to go over here and I'm going to go yeah. over there. I mean, she, and my sister has a master's in dance. She's a very <gasps> beautiful, talented dancer. However, she's was like a book nerd yeah. and like <laughs> always straight A's. And I was, you know, I mean, I, again, I did pretty well in school, but not quite the same level as her. Yeah. <laughs> um, but speaking of careers, so you went off on this one contract made college career. Uh, mm -hmm. Do you go back? Do you, how many years do you wait? Or do you just say, ah, I'm done with school. Let's go. Yeah. So I, 
I, I figured I only had about a year to go until I finished school. And like, I was okay with that. You know, I found like a cute little apartment and like mm-hmm. a little artsy fartsy neighborhood in town. And now that you had some I had money, fun, I had fun with that. Right. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah. And then that was my hopes was to get back into it as soon as I was done. And then I kind of had a, and I did get in contact with Disney Cruise Line again. And Mm -hmm. then I kind of had one of those, I know you and I know this, like this hiccup with the medical process you have to go through when you're um, going out to go onto a ship. And so they denied my contract and I was like devastated. And turned out there was nothing wrong with me. It was just like a weird false thing in, Mm -hmm. in my paperwork, but it took you know, the U S health system, it took months to figure that out and for them to process all the paperwork. However, in the meantime, the tangled web of entertainers, um, someone I had been working with at Disney had been working with Sesame street live. Oh, and I ended up at a Sesame street audition and like right when all of that was happening, I got a call to go on tour an international tour with Sesame street live. So as soon as I was done with school and it was like perfect timing with my cute little apartment, I was like, okay, cool. I guess I'll go tour the world as a Muppet. Yeah. So that all kind of aligned anyways. And that was another wonderful experience. And even though it wasn't quite what I was expecting to happen, it ended up being really wonderful. And same thing, I I wasn't expecting this whole performance career, but it just kind of kept snowballing. I have a few friends that did Sesame Street Live. I have to remember, I think there's three that are popping into my head right now. I will talk about it after. Um, so you tour, your this career of dancing starts just going for you. Um, but do you say you have a lot of, um, a lot of years in the cruise line industry? Do you go back there? Yeah. So I, I went out on toured with Sesame street for about a year and a half. Oh, nice. And then that was kind of wearing fit on me. Um, you know, it was like the same show. Sometimes we were doing three 90 minute shows in a day. Wow. And even though I was like 22 ish at the time, like that takes a toll on your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I was kind of like, I would kind of like to be doing a different show at this point. Um, but then in the meantime, I also had been uh, in contact again with Disney and they lined everything up for me. So I went back out with Disney for a contract and a half. I did a full contract and a replacement. Mm-hmm. And then again, the tangled web of entertainment. Um, I met someone from Disney who was working with Royal Caribbean. And then I ended up doing four contracts with Royal Caribbean. Whoa. Yeah. And then. Did you know Robin beforehand? Did you know Robin Cahill before? No. No, I knew her when I was working at the celebrity offices. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. But I did not know her like in her Disney days. Disney, yeah. Disney or Royal Caribbean yeah. or mm-hmm. yeah. So you did so, yeah. four so, contracts. Like one, again, it just kind of kept snowballing. One thing kept leading to another, and yeah. Nice. So you you mentioned you wanted to be more behind the scenes. I kind of was the same way. I love performing, but I was like, oh, maybe I should try teaching or maybe I should try choreographing or maybe I should try directing or maybe then I was like oh maybe I should try production see what happens for all of it you decided to turn going behind the scenes when when was that shift for you when were you like meh I'm done performing this is it um 
Well, so then the other thing of it too is a lot of these performing gigs I was getting was like full costume character. I'm pretty short. I'm five two, so that's prime. Yeah. Prime costume character work, which I also never even thought of as a career, right? As a kid going to Disney World, I was just like, yay, Mickey Mouse. I never thought there's someone- That you could be Mickey Mouse? Doing that as a career, right? Yeah. yeah I just was caught up in the magic of everything. And, yeah. I and, um, and, I, and I loved it. And I think now that we're like saying this kind of behind the scenes, behind the scenes thing, maybe kind of the reason I loved it was because I could still like- physically perform, but almost a little bit hidden. I mean, I had mm. performance opportunities where it was me as me, right? But like a lot of it was costume character. Um, and it has its own special, special personality and performance behind it. And I think what's really special about it, and I think sometimes people don't understand unless they've done it, is what's really beautiful. You have those moments and connection with people you know i mean you're, you're a big theme park guy right mm -hmm. like and don't mm -hmm. you still get excited when you see mickey mouse oh my god completely like he's a star like it's it seems silly but it's almost like a weird little celebrity right and these mm -hmm. people come to you and especially people in a disney scenario where they've it's so expensive they've maybe saved their entire life and this is their like one dream family vacation that they can afford so they're coming to you with these really high expectations, but then they also come and they tell you like oddly private and personal and like sometimes very touching things. Mm -hmm. But then oh, it's like, you know, that. but then it's like you processing it, but they're like yeah. speaking to the character and, um, and, and people get, and again, the beauty of entertainment, people can get so lost in these stories and these characters and they feel so relatable. So when they see these characters in person, they really have like these beautiful moments. Mm -hmm. But then you start, you're like, it's basically a giant stuffed animal. So it's kind yeah. of the psychology of it is, is so interesting. But um, if you've ever talked to anyone who's been a character performer, a lot of people will tell you those really special magical moments, if you will, that people just tell you these beautiful stories or how they met someone or what this movie or what this or that means to them. And they cry and like, it, it's very beautiful. Um, but it's also funny because you're like hidden behind a lot of it. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know, maybe if that's why that career also worked out so well for me. It was like, I got that performing out of me, but it was also kind of in a hidden way. Sure. Um, yeah. But then eventually, like, you. just like anything else, you know, your body starts to break down. So mm -hmm. I was about 29 when I started being like, okay, I think I'm, think I'm okay not being a, a full-time Muppet anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and then what, what did you do? What did you start doing behind the scenes after you stopped being in front or a character work? Yeah. So on, when I was with Royal Caribbean, I also was the, so they had like a DreamWorks, DreamWorks animation program, mm -hmm. Shrek, Kung Fu Panda, all that kind of stuff. So oh, Gloria was my favorite. Being, yeah, oh yeah. She's a diva. And she, yeah. her theme song was um, Cover Girl, RuPaul's Cover Girl. Yeah. Uh -huh. I loved it. Um. So I was also a performer in the cast, but then I was also essentially the cast supervisor. So I was doing the scheduling, the uh, being like the liaison amongst all the departments on the ship because um, they do character breakfast. They do all the photo shoots, so all those different departments, the liaison. And then we, I did the takeout program in Asia and Australia. And I had been able to work so closely with 
uh, the choreographers and the producers and uh, the people who were putting that programming together um, that I made a great impression, I guess. And once I was wrapping up my time on board, it was good timing and someone was leaving in the production studio in Florida. And they contacted me and said, hey, I don't know what you're doing or what your future plans are, but if you're willing to move to Florida, we have a position open and we think that'd be really great for you. And nice. A month later, I packed up my bags and headed down to Florida. Now you're in Florida <laughs> and that's where we, we're both in, we both reside in Florida. She's in yes. Hollywood. I'm mm-hmm. here. And that's how you make it down to Florida. And you, yeah. you just continue with Royal. Royal Caribbean yeah, so, doing a bunch yes. of things. Yeah, so I was working awesome. at their production studio and mm-hmm. yeah, studio. never, never a dull moment there. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Never you a know, dull their, moment. Their individual shows. I was doing casting for the DreamWorks program, like auditioning and casting for the DreamWorks cast, um, but then also helping with the wardrobe department, wardrobe wigs, mm-hmm. makeup, all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, helping out wherever I can, whatever I could. Many hats mm-hmm. as always. And, um, and then from there I moved over to the sister brand celebrity Mm -hmm. and with them, I did kind of the other side of entertainment, which is like programming for parties, games, Mm -hmm. youth activities, um, guest entertainers, like headliner entertainment, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's, and then that's kind of how I ended up on the path to meeting you. Yeah. Of course, we met. We met last year, but while whilst we were meeting, you were in the um, midst of getting your master's, mm-hmm. and I stumbled across this really fun thing. I was like looking through your Instagram, and you have this yoga side business oh, yes. that you're doing. That's <laughs> oh, yes. so fun. Tell us a little bit about this yoga <laughs> side business, which I'm sure turned into a, a boom, like a bigger business once the pandemic hit. Yeah, so yoga has always been a pretty big part of my life. I started it when I was a teenager. One of my dance teachers kind of would like throw it in occasionally. Yeah. Which again, in hindsight was like, whoa, that's really cool that a yoga teacher exposed me to that when I was a teenager. You know, most Mm -hmm. people don't find that kind of stuff until later. And as, you know, a good supplement to a dance training and whatever, that's fantastic. So thanks to dance teacher Lisa. (laughs) <laughs> for that one. Yay, Lisa. And um, yeah, and then like, you know, all through college, I, you know, would do it like sporadically, you know, whatever, it would feel good. Again, it mm-hmm. wasn't like quite the booming business that it is now, but um, it was always just kind of a way to help me. I always just felt like I had my, for lack of a better phrase, it always helps me make you feel like I have my shit together. Mm-hmm. You know, like my mind's clear, my body feels stacked in all the right places. And I find, especially now after dancing and performing for so many years, it very much is my physical outlet. I mean, mm-hmm. as a yoga teacher, I'm almost obliged to tell you there are many aspects of yoga besides just the physical postures, of course. But I think especially that's why you see a lot of dancers, gymnasts, um, and things like that become yoga teachers because it's just that outlet of the movement and the breath in your body that you're so familiar with as a performer. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it kind of naturally resonates. Um, and so it had been one of those things for many years, I had been wanting to get certified to teach, but it was either I didn't have the money or I didn't have the time. It's a very yeah. big commitment in both mm-hmm. aspects. And finally, finally, in 2016, it aligned 
And um, I finally got my teaching certification and right out the gate, I was lot, and it wasn't even necessarily like, I want to be a yoga teacher. It's also just very educational and you learn a lot about yourself. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't even know if I want to teach, but you know, it is what it is. But right out the gate, I was like ready to teach. And um, I was just hanging out at a brewery one night and they had like this really nice string lights and they have a really cool beer garden. And I was like, this would be a really cool chill place to do, to do a yoga class. And I just asked and they were like, yeah, let's do it. So this is at, it's a brewery called Lauder Ale right here in Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we just, we started doing it once a month and it was like selling out like crazy. So then we started doing it every week and that was selling out like crazy. And this is like pre-pandemic, we could fit about 45 people in the tap nice. room in this brewery. And we just started creating this really great community of people um, who really you know, they really enjoyed it, moving their body. It's an opportunity to be social after because you can sit down and, you know, grab a drink. And um, because I think in a lot of other yoga classes, you just kind of after class, you get up and walk out the door. But this really lends an opportunity to get social and you really get to know each other. And now a lot of these people have developed into really good friends of mine. I've been to their baby showers. I go to their birthdays. Uh, you know, my mom asks how they are yeah, like, nice. is, yeah. is, is this really beautiful community? And, um, so now I do it at a couple different breweries, but of course pandemic hits and everything has to close and it's like, okay, well, how do you pivot? So, um, when was the last class you had before the pandemic before like everything shut down? I was talking about this with somebody else. I said, what was the last thing I did? And the Saturday, March 14th, I had a show. And we, were, we weren't able to go into the theater because they were like, oh, we're going to close the theater. But you can have this performance in, this, in a smaller theater. Um, and I said, we said, okay. And the parents were coming, but everybody was really timid because we weren't sure what was going to happen or what we should be doing. Unmasked, unknowing mm-hmm. what was, what was going to well, yeah, be. Yeah, remember at the beginning, like things were shutting down, but their masks like weren't a thing yet. They weren't a thing. We were getting them in the mail, you know, at, at, at Don Casino. We were getting them at in the mail, but we were like. Case, we were getting them in the mail. <laughs> yeah, we we're like, well, okay, thanks. We appreciate it. But we still like no mask on that, that. March 14th was the last time I ever saw that many people that close together with an audience. Mm-hmm. When's the last class that you taught with that many people in like a brewery? I, it was about this time. So what, whatever the Sunday was around this time was actually, this is like the time of year. That's kind of like my anniversary that I say for my business. My business mm-hmm. is called ales and asanas. Ales is beer. Asanas yeah. is yoga poses. Cause we do everything at breweries and beer gardens and whatever. So we had just done my three-year anniversary party and same thing, we'd packed 40 something people and their yoga mats all sweaty and together and breathing all over each other. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so, yeah, so I don't know, whatever it would have been like the, maybe the first or second week of March before everything kind of tied up. I think that was a kind of, it was the same at the same time. Um, And you talked about a pivot, what, we all just go into lockdown. How are you, what are you doing with, with this, with your business three years in? Yeah. So, um, 
luckily, again, I have like a, a really great community that has developed out of all of this. Mm-hmm. But also, let's be honest, everyone was so uncertain and stressed and Completely. needing some kind of outlet. I think we all know up front, especially everyone was flocking to, um, you know, video classes, Zoom, mm-hmm. Instagram, mm-hmm. live streams. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of the natural default. But I really wanted to, in such a time of chaos, I didn't want to just like do stuff from my living room or like my second bedroom or whatever. I really Mm -hmm. wanted my community to feel like, oh, that's like a familiar, happy place for me. So I worked with this brewery to let me in on, we always do this one class at Lauderdale on Sundays. And because that's where it all started, you know, at this point, four years ago or whatever. And I said, listen, I know you guys aren't open. Like they had to close, obviously. I said, but can you just like let me in in the morning so I can do a live stream like on Sunday at 10 a.m. the same time, same place that I would do it just so people can feel like a sense of normalcy or see that surrounding and make it feel like, again, like, huh, okay, at least there's something consistent here. And they were super cool. And actually the owner was just starting to get into yoga. So he would like do the yoga class behind the camera yeah. Um, so he was nice enough to like come in like early on Sunday mornings to let me in and we'd live stream on Instagram. I was making the classes a little bit shorter because people's mm-hmm. attention span online is a little bit less yeah. than an in-person class. So I was doing maybe about like 40 minute classes. Um, and it was a really great way to stay connected with the community, but it was also really great for me to have that the same consistency mm-hmm. and something to look forward to and almost like a sense, a different sense of purpose, like providing yeah. that space and outlet for people. Um, and so, yeah, so we did that for uh, a couple months, I guess. I think it was like around June, things started slowly, yeah. cautiously opening. Mm-hmm. So I think it was around early June, I started with like maybe five, five people I would let in. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we slowly started adding more and more people to have that consistency, but so many people are just looking for a way to relieve their stress. Yeah. There at no point touch wood was a point during the major part of the pandemic that I felt panicked about losing my business or, um, you know, people not showing up. Everyone was like, I need this. Mm. I need, I needed it too, but mm-hmm you know, people need that outlet. You're right. There's a consistency that, that I, that was lacking. Even when I was working from home, I liked working from home and I liked the ability to have my day scheduled how I wanted to, to do it. And, Mm -hmm. but I needed that, that thing in my life. Like I needed to go to dance and teach. I needed to go to work. So I had, I left my house. And for a while, I mean, there was no consistency. It was like wine and Netflix. And I was just like, where that's was happening? Still, that's still me. <laughs> that's still, <laughs> like that's still the thing, right? <laughs> it was like, how much wine can I drink? How many Zoom happy hours can I do? They were great fun, you know? Yeah. And then it was wound up being like, okay, I was waiting for Friday to happen so I could drink another bottle of wine with people on, on Zoom, which was fun after, but after like June, 
maybe I was like, all right, I got to do something else. So I needed that consistency, running, exercising, doing something yeah. else. So I can see, I definitely was in that same boat with people. Like I needed, I needed. Yeah. People, you know, they, they're getting burned out with the screen time, myself included. Same thing at the beginning. I was like really great with my, doing my workouts in my living room. And I just, mm-hmm. I can't, I spend all day staring at a screen. And yeah. so then now and uh, what is actually very fortunate about my particular business model, even before the pandemic, you know, I'm basically running a yoga studio and a yoga business without the overhead cost of owning a yoga studio. So yeah. I go to these different breweries and I basically guarantee them I'll bring in X amount of people. So you get business at a time that you're normally kind of quiet. Mm-hmm. And, but then they don't, you know, they don't charge me anything for using the space. They're just going to get a lot of business out of it. Mm-hmm. So, um, and usually these spaces are very large warehouse type yeah. situations, like, cause that's what you need for brewing equipment mm-hmm. for a brewery. And I think because a lot of these places are, they're very large. Most of them are open air or they have an outdoor beer garden. Sure. It was mm-hmm. very easy for me to transition into those back in person scenarios. Again, we started small just to be cautious and like mm-hmm. big. And again, when you're so isolated, when you start seeing people, it's like, whoa, and exhausting. And, mm-hmm. um, but I think that was, has really worked in my favor is that these venues make people feel confident because it's open air, there's plenty of room to spread out. And I try mm-hmm. to, of course, support them and limit the amount of people that can book every week and you have to sign up in advance. So it's contactless, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Um, but that uh, business model that I've had for several years has now actually really worked in my favor f- during the pandemic. Yeah, you had that, you had a virtual yoga studio before virtual yoga studios were kind of hot, a hot commodity in the pandemic. Yeah, I really tried to jump on it fast. And I think that was a big difference for a lot of businesses, especially fitness type businesses. If you didn't pivot fast and get on there right away, then it was kind of like, well, you snooze, you lose. And Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I always try to educate myself and keep myself up to date on, on things that are happening. I'm not afraid to try Mm -hmm. it or crash and burn or, you know, spend all night Googling until I figure it out. Sure. Um, again, same thing depends on your work ethic, I guess, but yeah, really as soon as that like announcement came out that they were making businesses close or go to takeout only or schools mm-hmm. were closing or whatever, I knew I had to, to figure out what I was going to do with some kind of streaming or virtual option. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there were so, so many. Go ahead. And th- there's so many great streaming options out there now. I mean, were they great when we started? No. No, they Do weren't we know really what we were great. doing. No, <laughs> yeah, no. And have they come a long way in a year? Yeah. Eve, mm-hmm. I mean, so many people are using zoom and it wasn't meant <laughs> to do what we're yeah. doing with it now. You know, I'm teaching dance on zoom and sharing music and videos and spotlighting people and something, a conferencing site. I always tell people this is like, we tried to reimagine what wasn't possible before and this little site that, you know, just you pop on for a little, you know, meeting with, with your cohorts at work. And it would be like, you know, that's it. 30 minutes, 40 minutes tops. That was the, mm-hmm. that was the end of the time, 40 minutes. That's enough to get some a work call done. Um, but now we're using, we, I need it for like an hour and a half and I need to play music and I need to stretch the capability of it. And I had tech friends that are like, oh, uh, Zoom is, 
prioritize it in two different fashions. And I was like, minds exploding, you know, trying to figure out all these things. And when it first started, I mean, half the time you're like, what's a meeting idea? What's well, a meeting even, idea? Even you and I figured out together and obviously other places have done this too. And there's a whole industry for online events and mm-hmm. whatever, but like, you know, we did comedy shows and uh, like illusionist show, like whoever thought you would do yeah. a magic or illusionist show via zoom and like, and I'll tell you what, like I followed along during one of those and I'll be damned if those tricks didn't work at my own table, though, watching it through the screen at zoom. And I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, there's no way this is going to work through zoom. And it still does. And it's amazing that people. And you're right. Just we just, for it. we just stayed up and we, we, we Googled <laughs> how to work these things. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a, a handbook on how to how to host an illusionist or a, a singing act or how, how do you host a comedy show on a, on a communication website? It was or a yeah. communication site. Or like, or like a virtual showcase yeah. when you're trying to showcase to like a comedian or like you said, especially a vocalist. How many, yeah. how many versions of that showcase did we try to do and test with different streaming options and yeah. <laughs> you know, options. But it's just, it was just trial and error. Yeah. And, you know, figure, figure it out again, being resilient. I think that really is what yeah. people need to, to recognize and actually be proud of in the past year. Like we're just making it work. Sure. And so just everybody knows we both are in Florida and Florida's uh, like, we were allowed to come out of quarantine, like in the summer of 2020, Early, yeah. like we didn't, we only quarantined from like March, April, May, people were like, okay, this is enough. And Florida kind of came out kind of end of May, like, June. Like late May. Yeah. yeah. So they like lifted, like you could start going outside to like exercise and you could start going to the grocery store and you still were able to do all those things. Unlike some places in the country where it was like, you had to be in your house all the time. We were able mm-hmm. to do certain things. And then slowly but surely in the summer, things started opening up and we had places to eat and we could go to like our pools and stuff like that. So hearing summertime and small events happening outdoors might seem a little bit strange for some people in the country but for here it was that's what was happening and people were being safe when you went to these things it was it was definitely safe I think a lot of people especially in the the entertainment industry I'm sure in the yoga industry people were still conscious about health yoga is very much about your health and your wellness and so people were being responsible for all these events I just wanted to make sure people were uh, knew that that's what was happening here in Florida. Um, how have the events increased starting in 2021 when people were like more confident about where the pandemic was going and the waves started going down with death tolls and everything? I think with a lot of things, I mean, it, there's definitely been phases where you saw people's confidence levels rise and then, mm-hmm. you know, and then you saw cases rise and then you saw people kind of shrink away a little bit. Um, but I really think around, um, I think around like the holidays, one, people were, you know, getting tired of like nine months of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And they also were anticipating the vaccine coming out. Um, so you, I really noticed a big difference um, in attendance and inquiries for me and my yoga business, like around the holidays and especially in, and then well for fitness too, you also come into the new year with people who set new year's resolutions that happens every year anyways. Mm -hmm. Um, but with, with all my classes, they were, I mean, they would usually fill up anyways, 
Um, and again, like I said, I was kind of like slowly increasing. Like I started with like four or five people and then I went to eight people and then 10 people. And it mm. depends on the venue, how many people sure. we, we let come in. Cause again, I want them to be confident and safe mm-hmm. with their space. So right now in my one venue, I let 18 people in and with 18 people it was our, it was selling out every week. And then it was to the point where that class is on Sunday by Tuesday, usually that class sells out. And then I started adding some other classes at different outdoor locations and those all are selling out. Um, And I think people just really are, they have that desire to be out of the house, be away from the screen, but as long as it's in a place where they feel confident, which is usually some kind of outdoor scenario. Mm -hmm. And again, we're fortunate in Florida where right now it's winter time and it's the most beautiful time of year to be outside. Beautiful, yeah. But a lot of other folks around the country, um, you, you can't in exchange go do a yoga class in the middle of the winter in the north, right? With a mm-hmm. foot of snow on the ground. So right. we, I actually am in a very fortunate position down here that I can utilize those um, things and the weather here to still maintain what I'm doing. Because mm-hmm. I was just in Pennsylvania last week and I desperately wanted to go to a yoga class, but most of the studios there still are online only because it's winter mm-hmm. time and they, yeah. they're, them and their students aren't ready yet. Um, you know, and you can't go, well, Hey, instead we'll meet at a park. Everyone's just kind of stuck. Oh yeah. So I I feel after that experience, I feel for them. And then going through months of that. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you do these at breweries. I think this is awesome. Have you become like a beer connoisseur in exchange? Um, Yeah. I mean, I've always been a craft, a craft beer lover. Uh Um, what's your favorite? My fiance, Bruce, his own beer. Oh, um, if it's like this time of year when it's a little cooler, I love a good like dark stout beer. Oh, okay. Um, but then and likewise in the summer, if it's like super hot, I just want something light and crisp and refreshing, maybe a little citrusy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just like anything else, I said change seasonally, lots of ups and downs. For some reason, once I got my, my palate on an IPA, I just can't stop. Yeah, like, I tend to do that. There's, I just, there's so many different versions of IPAs that you can find like a nice happy spot, you know, mm-hmm. some people like them really bitter and hoppy. Mm-hmm. I don't particularly like that. Um, but I like when they're like the light and crisp type of IPAs, mm-hmm. right. And they seem kind of citrusy. Um, I, it's so strange. Cause I don't like a lot of like deep, heavy flavors, but for some reason, the deeper an IPA is, the more hoppy it is, the Bit, the more bitter it is, I just am like guzzling it down. I just, something about taste, like that, that heavy, deep taste, uh-huh. I just love. And if okay. it's like a, if it's like a regular, like a lager, I'm just like, mm, that's good. And I had, I just enjoy oh, there it. There you go. That's your style. Yeah. I just don't enjoy it. But like you said, like we were lucky to have this like year round sunshine in Florida. So we, uh, we always can have this. It's one day, like this weekend, it's going to be 80, but two days ago it was like 60, 55. So it can just vary within the same week. So that makes a lot of sense. But if you had to choose one kind of beer to drink for the rest of your life, which would it be? Then I'd go like somewhere kind of in the middle, but very flavorful, like a, like an Oktoberfest. Oh, like a medium color, but still good, good flavor. Still nice. I could do, I could do an Oktoberfest year round for sure. Do you like that time of season for beer? I love it. I last year. So, you know, again, pandemic quarantine 15 and 
sitting and watching Netflix and drinking wine every day, yeah. I had kind of had like an epiphany, which is ironic for the girl whose business is named ales and asanas and everything I do is in a brewery. But my body was like, girl, you got to like not drink every day. And I'm like, well, I'm bored and I don't have anything else to do. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> yeah. So I did. So my body was like giving me signs. I was waking up like in the middle of the night, almost every night. And then I later learned if you wake up pretty regularly between one and three in the morning, that's your liver basically telling you I need a break. Yeah. <laughs> so, and not that I was drinking excessively, but same thing. Like I realized after a while, like pretty much every day I have at least one glass of wine or one beer or whatever. And after a while that adds up. Mm-hmm. So my body was giving me these signs. So I decided to do sober October. Ooh, that's a which, hard time to do it. Was Oktoberfest beer Beers, season, yeah. and I was like, "Ah, oh, next time I just got to do dried January. What a bad choice!" Yeah. But my body so desperately needed it. Or so no my body alcohol was November. happy, but it was yeah. it was hard that time of year because that and that stuff comes and goes. Like it really is seasonable, but you can't find it now. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, "Ah, oh, man." <laughs> I will admit this, and people will come with pitchforks with at me. I love a good pumpkin beer. Well, it's just like anything else. It depends on how they make it or how you like it, right? Mm -hmm. If you like it super pumpkin-y and sweet, then Mm. they have that. If you want just that hint, they have that too. I love a good pumpkin beer. I'm not mad at a pumpkin beer. That's cool with me. I go to places (laughs) and I ask if they have pumpkin beer and if they say no, I consider leaving. I do. I feel like this year I did not see many. You did not. You're correct. You're correct. Everyone had their Oktoberfest style or something else kind of odd. I saw one this year had like a candy corn and I was not enthused about that, but I didn't see much pumpkin going around. I think the stigma is uh, getting the best of everyone. You are correct. I went to a few places saying, do you have pumpkin beer? They said, no. I said, hmm, I, I want to leave. <laughs> I almost did. I almost did, they, did, did they judge you? <laughs> they didn't judge me. No, okay. but- I was surprised that they didn't have it because this place, I mean, what, what, what's the one with all the beers, the hundreds of beers, not top 42. Um, no, it has like, you could eat there too. It's in Gulfstream. Oh, Gulfstream uh, Brewing? No, dang it. What's the name of that place? Uh, Yard House. Yard, Yard House. House. Yard House. I asked them and they said, no, we don't have any pumpkin beers right now. And I said, you're Yard House. You've got hundreds of beers. They said, nope. I could get a, a sweet potato, the sweet potato casserole I could get from um, Funky Buddha, but that was it. Was that? I was like, all right, well, I'll take that. So. Interesting. Um, Alyssa, it's so good catching up with you. It's been a while since we've actually sat down and face to face, but um, thanks for joining the program. Yeah, thank you so much. This was a pleasure. Again, it's really great to catch up and, um, you know, really nice to share my story. And I'm sure. The people who are listening to your podcast gain a lot of knowledge from the different people that you bring to them and our different experiences. And maybe for that young person who isn't quite sure what they want to do or what direction they're heading in, maybe they get a little, you know, insight into, yeah, like, yeah, you can have a really fun and successful career in something that to the general public seems non-traditional like dance or yoga or Mm -hmm. whatever it is, you know? And even through a pandemic, you can still be successfully doing it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Kudos to that to you as well, kind of pivoting and making that all something that was on the side, now a bigger business for you in the forefront, which is is, um, excellent. Yeah. Excellent stuff. Congratulations. So thank you. And when you're feeling stressed, use your yoga breath. 
Yes. Everything will be fine. Deep breaths. <laughs> I'm gonna find I'm gonna find a time to come and see your yoga class. I'm gonna do it. Yeah, let me know anytime. We have we offer classes every Sunday, every Monday. And um, and then we do like sporadic things depending on the schedule. And same thing, either big open air venues or outside nice sunset classes or mm. happy hours. Where so. can people find where can people find classes? So uh, again, my business is Ales and Asanas. Um, so it's alesandasanas.com. I'm at Ales and Asanas on social media. And um, yeah, you can just find the, the class schedule. You can book right on my website. And yeah, let me know if you have any questions or if you never, the great thing about this is it's a really welcoming atmosphere for people who are newer to yoga or they don't really like the vibe of a traditional yoga studio. Sometimes it gets a little pretentious. Mm-hmm. Honestly, if you're just coming for the beer, we're okay with that too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, so that makes it very welcoming for people. And um, first timers just come for the yeah. beer, right? Just yeah, come for the absolutely. Beer. <laughs> That's how I've got. A, and a lot of guys come to my classes for that. And then they find that they really love it. And then now they come back all the time. So, And then there's always that reward of beer at the end. Yeah. And then there's always a treat. Of course. 60 minutes later, there's beer. Uh-huh. Alyssa, again, thank you so much. <laughs> it's been good seeing you. All right. Thank you so much. What a pleasure. Bye. Thanks for joining in on the conversation. To view additional content, follow E's podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Be sure to subscribe and leave comments on the episode wherever this podcast can be found. See you next week.